0: FM to get started.
1: Hey everybody! In this episode of the Legends of Tomorrow After Show, it is November. It is sweeps month, and there are some hot things cooking on Legends of Tomorrow. They are doing a superstar crossover with Mad About You, and an episode called Helen Hunt. We're going to break it all down next. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion. After Buzz TV, and now let the buzz begin. Yes. A great and
2: song
1: a panic from ho- uh, Hollywood Hotel, a uh, popular up up favorite amongst the whole panel here on Legends it's of Tomorrow After Show. show. Oh. Yes, a popular song here on the panel from Legends of Tomorrow After Show. Welcome everybody. We are the panel here that are going to break down every episode of Legends Tomorrow every Tuesday night here on the CW. I'm one of your hosts, Frank Moran. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. At Happy Go Jackie.
0: I am another one of your hosts, Lex Michael, all over social media at The Lex Michael.
2: And I am another host. I am Lucretia Lyon. I am all over social media at L A C R E T I A L Y O N.
1: So far, the uh, the life model decoy for Lucretia Lyon is working extremely Thanks. well. Yes, hopefully it does not break down. I do not know how to service those things. It already killed Dave. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, I know. Uh, MR Dave Child, uh, you know him, you love him. Uh, you want to stroke his beard. <laughs> he is not here with us this evening, and he won't be back with us next evening, or next week either, but he will be back for this super awesome four-part event crossover, Cresses on Earth X, on November 28th.
0: As soon as we pull him from about a week ago on the timeline, because yes. as mentioned, LMD Lucretia killed him.
1: Yep. Yeah, uh, but you know nobody really knows about his death, so we pull him out of the timeline. It won't seem that well, weird. Well, now everybody knows. Oh shoot! Now we can't. Now whoops! Uh oh! Mm. That's been a timeline. We can event. cut this out, right? Yeah. We're yeah. not like all the way live. If we do that, I guess he's safe. No. Yeah. All right. So, guys, just don't don't tell anybody that you saw this or heard it. We're going to cut it out. It's going to be cool. But in the meantime, folks, like us on Facebook, give us those five stars on iTunes. It's too late to save Dave Child's life, but it's never too late. To keep Lex Michael living.
0: It's entirely within the realm of possibility that if we get enough five-star reviews, we can use them to resurrect Dave Child, Damian Dark style.
1: Oh my oh. gosh, like just like a, a burst of energy like shooting down from the sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he's
0: just, and then he'll just rise straight <laughs> up out of the box. <laughs> yeah. but, but then Dave will have his magic back, and we're all in jeopardy. And that's, that's
2: why it doesn't rain in L.A. very often, because every time we have lightning, it brings Dave Child back.
1: <laughs> that's... <laughs> And of course, everybody, Lucretia's got her computer, which means the chat is up and running. So feel free to jump in, share your thoughts about anything we're talking about in this specific episode, or just Legends of Tomorrow in general, or you know, if you want to just ask Lex, just like a really you know personal question. Hello, we'll we'll take the time to you know. Let that answer be asked or let the answer be given. Yeah, sure, sure, Why sure. Not? Yes, open book. Uh, so yes, uh, there has been one comment there in the chat. A couple comments about the chat. One, we got a nice little tweet there about uh, uh, tagging us on a Wikipedia article from ISIS, the uh, popular uh, DC character. I know we've name checked it a few times and talking about her amulet. But as we always kind of debate, like, hey, what exactly are ISIS's powers? Because none of us really. Although I'm aware of the character from the new uh, from uh, DC's Fifty Two miniseries, never really read any of her uh, early DC TV comics appearances there and didn't really watch the TV show of Isis. So. Uh, but anyway, thank you for that, uh, the fan that uh, tagged us there with the, uh, the plate acknowledgement that, uh, you know, hey, it is not not too hard to just Google up a little bit of information. FFS, you guys.
0: That's right. Thank for reminding me for
1: that. And also getting a shout-out to, like, yes, we should really watch that Vixen CWC animated series. You know, there's just there's so much content to watch in our lives, and it's certainly our our, our bad that we haven't watched it yet but
0: especially now that it seems like they're pulling character relationships and it's char- whole characters out of what they'd already established on that CWC show, I am now even more inclined to go check it out than I was and I was already, it was on my list. Yes. And it's right, it's like every episode if you watch them all together, it's what, 45 to an hour?
2: Yeah, they say it's like under an hour,
0: so. Yeah, so now of course as, though, as if I wasn't incentivized already, now I am triply incentivized to prioritize going back and brushing up a little bit on the uh,
1: family tree of the Vixens on our DCCW. Universe. I will, in a moment of rare honesty for me, because I'm a very duplicitous person by nature. Uh, I probably will not watch it until we get like a midseason break, and then I will uh, probably watch. it. But until then, uh, uh, odds are unlikely that I will watch it before then. It's true. You're like the Loki of the Legends of Tomorrow panel. That's true. <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, you know. Speaking of Norse gods, you know, ladies and gentlemen, on history. The, uh, the fantastic network responsible for so much great programming to let you know what's happened throughout the ages, whether uh, it be uh, actual, uh, doc, actual uh, historical fiction or actual historical facts or perhaps historical drama. History has got what you're looking for. And in fact, history's critically acclaimed series Viking is going to premiere with a two-hour season premiere airing Wednesday, November 29th. ...at 9 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. Dude, Vikings is back? Vikings is back, absolutely. It's, you know, and it's not just the first season. It's not just the second, third, or fourth. Season five.
0: Okay, so hang on. Frank, help me out, because I'm excited. I actually, I did not know that we were just... We were on the cusp of Vikings returning. Now, you got to refresh my memory, because it's four seasons of storytelling. And as you say, I watch so, so, so many shows, Right. Remind me, right? Where did we leave off? Four seasons of storytelling. What's going on between season four, season five, where we catch up with this world? Like, what's, what's, going, on with, uh,
1: what's going on with Ivar? Well, uh, Ivar the Boneless is, you know, of course, as we know, he's asserting his leadership over the great heathen army. Ah. Uh, and, of course, uh, Legaretha, she reigns as queen of Kattegat. Now, Ivar's murder of his brother Sigurd set the stage for vicious battles to come as Ragnar's sons plot their next moves after avenging their father's deaths. You know, you got to make sure you want retribution, and you got to go and get it any way you can. Yeah, I like it. And I like, I like the family drama aspect of it as well. Now, it, it's not just that, too, as well. We also got some other characters in play, too. Bjorn follows his destiny into the Mediterranean Sea. And Floki, who is suffering from the loss of his wife, Helga, takes to the seas, submitting to the wills of the gods. What? I know. I know. Uh, I'm hoping the gods smile favorably on him, but you never know. Uh, when you throw yourself up to the mercy of the gods, sometimes they answer your call and sometimes they are, uh, they just ignore you,
0: right? And true to form, right? I expect that this season coming up, especially the way all of the pieces are laid out on the board, I would suspect uh, any number of reversals, surprising alliances. I mean, that th- those uh, out of out of the blue, but not so out of the blue. Like those moments, these twists in the story where you go, "What? Where did that even come from? This seems totally unfounded." And then you think about it for a second, and you go, "No." This is brilliant. They've been quietly building this. I love it. My heart is soaring. But, okay, not only am I excited for what we already know we're getting from Vikings, what's super cool this season is Jonathan Rhys-Meyers is joining the cast as Bishop Heyman. Yeah. He worked with
1: showrunner Michael Hurst on The Tudors. So, uh, already dialed into that histori- those hysterical dramas. So, yeah. let's see what he brings here. To Instead of talking about the, some British drama... Let's see what he does with some uh, some Norse drama.
0: It's cool, and it's always nice to see uh, creators that enjoy collaborating continue to collaborate with each other. I like it when uh, directors, showrunners, build a little bit of a, a stable of actors, people that they keep keep working with. So, like, this this speaks to the actor-director pairing nerd that is me.
1: Now, of course, Season 5 is only 10 episodes, and I say only, but don't worry. These are going to be 10 action-packed character-developing episodes that you're going to be watching every single week. Well, not for nothing, I often prefer shorter seasons. True, because it's right there. It's succinct. You can get a really complete story arc there. I feel like there's no, you don't have to worry about any extra meat on the bone. Right, no fat. No fat. Just go, boom, let's get Only right Only the good, good kind of fat. If there's fat, it's like the avocado fat. That, that's true. Yeah, there you go. There's no, like, gristle. You don't want right. gristle. Well, exactly. None no, of no, that. So the theme of this season, though, is who will rise. We've got a lot of players jockeying for a uh, position of power. But uh, who's actually going to ultimately rise by the end of the season? We don't know, but we will in about 10 weeks' time. If I had to place money, if I had to, if you you
0: sat me down and you said, Lex, your life literally in this moment depends on putting money on the table right now and throwing a name in as far as who you think will rise this season, I'd have to say Lucretia Lyon.
2: Yep, it is definitely (laughs) me. I'm way on this Viking strain.
1: All right, so folks, don't forget, (laughs) History's hit drama series Vikings returns with not just a one, but a two-hour season premiere on November 29th at 9, 8 Central on History. Who will rise? We are going to find out only on History. It's a family cycle that tells the remarkable tales of the lives and epic adventures of the raiders and explorers of the Dark Ages. So make sure you tune in every single week. You don't want to miss an episode. Dude, this stuff's like candy to me. That's right. Now... Uh, speaking of candy, though, this uh, this was an episode that was kind of sweet with some light, some nice DC nods.
0: Yes. So I, r- before we go too much further, I really want to get initial overall impressions from the two of you. And really, this is just uh, I'm, I'm couching my real question in this question. My real question is, what made you angry, Frank? What <laughs> what things what things just pulled at your heart in the wrong way? Like what what bad hu- heart touch was I- there?
1: Uh I don't know if initially I had something that had that angered me so much in that and I, I reserve the right to uh you know, to reverse that opinion. You may as build as, into I anger build the longer it. you think about yes. it. Yes, I was like, wait a minute, no, I am angry about this story point <laughs> and I'm going to let everyone know.
2: Show us on the doll where <laughs> the to touch you. <laughs>
1: That's right. <laughs> no. Uh, one thing I was surprised about this episode is we got Damian Dark much quicker than I thought we would. I thought he might be like back, and then we, or he's back on canvas, but we might see him disappear for a few episodes and then come back later.
0: I would like to see... A, a full episode, much like we got last season of what, when the Legion of Doom created that alternate timeline and we just hung out with them for an hour for the most part. I really want, because Damien Dark's having his own adventures in time. Yes. While occasionally he's bumping into the Legends. Obviously with the same frequency at which the Legends are bumping into him. I really want to know what adventure led Damien Dark to this particular guy's at this point in the timeline.
1: Do you feel, and certainly you're more dialed into Arrow, and I did watch the full season that Damian Dark first premiered and got killed at the end of that season by Oliver Queen, but uh, after seeing him then again on Legends and now back again revived this season... I feel like he has a little bit more sense of humor when he's on Legends than he did on Arrow.
2: Yeah, and that was the thing, is he was such a cool character, but it was like clear in the beginning that Arrow was not the place for him. And I think they tried to make do with what they had, but we're like, this is a fun, campy guy. Neil McDonough is amazing, so I feel like making him sort of the recurring villain on Legends and Sarah's arch nemesis is perfect. Because yeah. I did
1: like, I mean, just those, those moments where he finds out that Stein is in Jax's body. Yeah. And just yeah. his genuine laugh about the ridiculousness of that situation. I was like, yes, that's what I want to see. And his daughter asks, us, like, are you all right? You need a minute. And he's just like,
0: no, I'm good.
1: Um, no, I forgive like- me if I'm wrong. Is this the official? Because I knew that Damien Dark's daughter was going to be on canvas this season. But this is the first acknowledgment that she was indeed his daughter. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and that was sort of, you know, alluded to. And, of course, the press releases had sort of teased it already. But it was interesting to see that it was not alluded to in the first episode when they meet that that was why she was helping or anything. Mm -hmm. And so it was sort of interesting for them to reveal that. But she does look like she could be his daughter. So would this
0: be the same child from Arrow season
2: four? It
1: would, right? Mm -hmm. Just aged up. So later in the timeline, she gets involved with uh, Malice. Says, you know, the first thing I want to do is I want to go and, and save my dad. Go
0: get dad. Yeah. I I like, and I'm, I really do like it. This is not an ironic. I like it. I like that we're already putting together an evil super team
1: again this season. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, the stormy woods brings up a good point. Uh, St- uh, Damian Dark is a sassy shade throwing man. He yes. really is.
1: Now, I mean, no, I know we're assembling kind of a super villain team this season, but, and I'm just going to be objective here. I think, or my my criticism is that this super team. While I'm excited to see some uh, other characters it's not as cool as last seasons
0: it's not but to be to be fair last season the the evil super team that was put together we already had a history with every member of that team we were already invested in every member of that team we're just meeting now so with the exception of damian dark we're just being introduced to these characters for the first time so, in live action, well, in live, yes, of course, in live action. <laughs> Frank, how dare you? Um, yes, for the first time, if you're only keeping up with the shows that are airing on CW proper, this is the first time we are meeting the characters that are making this team. So, I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt and see where they take everybody throughout the course of this season. And because all of these characters on all of these shows just keep on coming back, where they might go in the future. And I think everybody so far is very intriguing. But yeah, without the weight of time spent, it yeah, of course, it doesn't it doesn't pack the same weight right up front necessarily.
1: True, I mean, I, I guess uh, time spent, but then also they're not really they're DC TV universe creations; uh, they're not pulled from DC Comics. Exactly. Well, te- technically, to an extent, so is Damian Dark. I
0: mean, there was there's like one issue of one comic mm-hmm. ever with a character called Damian Dark, but yeah. he was essentially created from whole cloth for season four. And is there really? You would maybe know this better than I would. I've actually never read. I know he's a presence, but I've never read a comic book story with Merlin in it. Was he much Merlin like was actually, uh,
2: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Is the Merlin character wasn't a lot like uh, John Barman's interpretation. Yeah. But he was very important to Green Arrow's origin in, like, a lot of different ways. Like, there were different stories, but one thing I remember always being clear is that he sort of was the one that inspired him to be an archer. And, you know, was somebody he looked up to and then later became his villain,
1: Yeah, I mean, he definitely has a different look. He's dressed in black. He's got, like, that sweet goatee. That dope robot hand. Yeah. uh, No dope robot hand for him there. But certainly, I feel like the... I think that's more of an example of the TV show taking a a cool kind of character that hasn't been given a lot of depth in the comics... And then kind of utilizing him for their own purposes within the TV show. And right. Building a much deeper, richer mythology on the right. show.
2: And, too, making Merlin, like, you know, his friend's dad was great because that would have been, you know, sort of similar in that this was a guy he sort of looked up to, you know... And important to his life, and then it's like, oh yeah, he tried to murder me later.
0: Uh, In a universe with time travel, uh, Lazarus pits, the multiverse, uh, whatever magic brought back Damian Dark, we still, we still, nobody's worried about bringing back Tommy
1: (laughs) 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 or Tommy
0: Merlin. He's the he's the only one too, right? Like I think he's the only person who is like major character who has died that we haven't seen post death. Well, we've
2: seen a lot of flashbacks with Tommy, but never, like, um, a multiverse Tommy or back-from-the-dead Tommy, because there were a few flashbacks. Like, when they were in Hong Kong, there was, like, a flashback. Tommy came to find all, But he
0: didn't... He had, like, a... This right. He did have a scene here or there. Well, then I guess you could make the argument, right? Like, uh, Barry sees Eddie Thawne again, but in the Speed Force. Yeah. So I feel like you could almost argue that counts as much as Tommy in flashbacks.
1: And they even did that one, like, that kind of, like, what-if episode of uh, Arrow. Like their hundredth episode, yeah. well, they only name checked how many. They never really. You looked. see yeah. the weird photoshopped hologram of him. Yeah. Well,
2: and two, Malcolm makes a joke about you know he's a, he's a doctor in Chicago, which is why right. where he, Colin Donald really is. And, you know, I'm sorry. I'd rather have you back on this show. I don't watch that one.
1: <laughs> so at least for me right now, uh, the season of villains or the, the opponents of season. Yeah, I'm still waiting to get as jazzed as I was about uh, the, the Le- Legion of Doom last, last season.
0: I'm curious to see how their plan is going to come together. I'm curious as to at what point we actually do meet Mollus in the flesh, or does, for all we know Mollus just continues to be an abstraction you know what I mean, that, mm-hmm. that is able to like talk through people. I assume though, because it's super comic booky, and in comic book stories traditionally even abstractions need to be given form at some point so people can punch each other uh, I'm curious to see in what direction it moves and what the ultimate end game is there and then how the individual players fit into that end game
1: yeah very true i mean and uh it'd be hopefully we see them kind of break tradition and kind of find that out a little bit sooner rather than later Sure. Yeah, we'll see. But we'll jump back to the beginning of the episode. Of course, uh, what I do like right there at the top is that uh, we do get introduced uh, with the nice old school WB movie kind of intro mm-hmm. to uh, the Legends of Tomorrow. For, what,
0: the, what, I think the first shot is the water tower.
1: Yeah, the water tower. But then also like the cool like black and white like little slate.
0: I love. Yes, the old like was, 1930s title yes, cards. I
1: thought that was great touch to this episode. Uh, yeah, so uh, nice of them to see how they recreated uh, 1937 Hollywood in I, Vancouver. A
0: lot of this stuff made me real, real happy because I am I'm a fan of old Hollywood stuff, like all of the mythology uh, associated with old Hollywood. So, like, they're in. Thir- it was 37. Yes, right. So when you see the Hollywood sign, it was still in 37. It was the Hollywood Land the sign. Side, yeah, yeah. Uh, this was I think five years after Peg Entwhistle infamously jumped to her death from the H. Uh, I don't know if you, okay. So I don't know if either one of you know this, but the sign was not there as a reference to like the glitz and the glamour of the movie business, or if it was, it was uh, indirect. Once Hollywood became a mecca of film production, uh, a lot of very wealthy people started to develop and housing property. communities yeah. there, like properties. And Hollywoodland referred to one specific wealthy housing development. And in '49, I want to say uh, they took the land off because they wanted the sign to refer to the entire district as opposed to just a single housing development. Oh, interesting.
2: Yeah, I'd actually heard that story before. And did you guys know that Alice Cooper actually owns the maintenance on one of the O's? So, really? So, yeah, people actually, you know, donate money to, like, keep these up, and Alice Cooper has been the one uh, for one of the O's. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. really cool. It's almost like yeah. these people that kind of sponsor a cleaning up on the highways. Yeah. A little strip. You can actually just uh, buy out a letter.
0: You'd, you'd think somebody would have to, but I yeah. never put much thought into who that would be, and I would not have guessed Alice Cooper.
1: No. 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 that you, I, I would have guessed probably many, many, many other names <laughs> before I would have... I don't even know, I don't think on the list of people I would have guessed I would have ever gotten to Alice Cooper.
2: I have a lot of dumb Alice Cooper facts. I like throw them out there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> nah. well,
0: and also, too, all of the... And we'll come back to the specifics of it, but all of the business with Hedy Lamar I thought was really... Yes. Cool. Cool. Now, I've actually heard more people talking about it recently than I remember hearing yeah, at all uh, up until the last couple of years.
2: That is the thing, is I had heard this, but I never really put it much stock into it because it was like something in passing. And then lately, I've seen it over and over again. And I'm like, yes. oh, that's really cool. So
0: Hedy Lamar, oh. on top of being a big motion picture star, was also an inventor in her own right, as depicted on tonight's episode. Uh, not only did they talk about, uh, I think, Stein or... Stein as Jax, or what did you say Jax Stein? Actual Stein in yes. Jax's body makes a reference to her frequency jamming technology, which was used to assist uh, our soldiers in World War II, essentially throwing off radio-controlled missiles. And then also the spread spectrum technology was hers. So, like, I, I really like the line where uh, the two halves of Firestorm are talking to each other and they come to this epiphany where it's like, oh, but her, her patent, if you trace that line throughout history, her patent is the backbone of... Most of the technology powering the systems on our ship. In fact, in our reality, there's a direct line from Hedy Lamar's patent to Wi-Fi and Bluetooth.
1: Which is really cool. I, I do like that little touch where just like, I mean, and I guess that's a really great example of the butterfly effect. If you remove one little small thing earlier enough in history, it is going to have major ramifications as that technology would have expanded and increased and influenced other people going forward.
0: But I think that's insanely cool it's like she was primarily known
1: uh as as an actress yeah
0: but and I think it was only in like ninety seven which was three years before she died, I think was when she finally received full Credit for her work as a scientist and an inventor, but yeah, Hedy Lamar, mother of Wi-Fi. Well,
2: and two, it is really interesting when you think about a lot of actresses during that time. Like Shirley Temple, for example, was an ambassador for America for years after being a child actor. So you know, people used to actually do stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: People yeah. did in yeah. fact yeah. <laughs> used to do stuff. I thought this was a nice little twist in the episode. One that like, you, or you think the uh, it's almost like the uh, like a Trojan horse. So ha uh-huh. ha! Uh-huh. We, we came in thinking of so Troy. Cool we snuck in there. a little Eddie Lamar. Boom! Boom! <laughs> Bye, everybody! <laughs> I'm
2: out. All Speed right. off. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: okay. So I, w- <laughs> I. Okay. So because because we've already touched on it with with my uh, uh, just abject confusion as to how I'm supposed to refer to the characters having been body swapped. Yes. How did you guys feel about this whole uh, body swap subplot? I
2: loved it. I was, like, so impressed by Franz's acting. We already know Victor Garber is a powerhouse, and he was hilarious being Jax. But, yeah, Franz as Stein was so funny. (laughs) Yeah.
1: No, I think they were both good. I think I I connected the scales towards, and maybe because I'm always partial to Victor Garber, Garber, but I I liked him as playing uh, Jax. So
0: I am... Not Very rarely am I a fan of body swap stories, and the biggest reason, I think, is because I feel like they're very hard to play, because it's real easy to, if you're working with an actor for a while, yeah, you you watch them do their work, and it's real easy after, you know, you can learn how to mimic them. You can learn how to mimic their cadence, you can learn how to mimic uh, their body language, but... It is something else entirely to feel so completely inhabited by the other performer to where you as an audience member are not thinking at all about how this is an actor playing a character in somebody else's You know what I mean? You start thinking, that was super convoluted, but I think you get what I'm saying. It's like, I agree. I think they were both so, so, so incredible. And yeah, Lucretia, I agree with you. Victor Garber, I I had no doubt even for a second, like, oh, he's just going to completely crush this, but... Franz's style. So funny. Stupid good. Yeah. Like, and it was not just, it was not just the cadence, but it was the, it was the body language. Yes, everything he was doing with his hands. I was like, that's perfect. And so (laughs) there were, there were moments where I had to intentionally remind myself uh, that these were, these were actors that had spent so much time together and observing each other's behavior that they were so able to become the other person While still in their own body, I had to actively remind myself of that because I was fully buying
1: into it. Such was the strength of these two performances. Well, I think the nice thing about it is that, uh, you know, sometimes we criticize that there's way too many actors for all the story that you want to tell uh, on Legends of Tomorrow. So some characters get like the short end of the stick. But on an example like this, where a body swap story, Left to, if say it was only just, uh, it was left up to Jackson Stein to carry the whole episode, might get a little tiresome if you follow into the same kind of body-swapping tropes and the kind of scenes that we've kind of, you can kind of know if you've seen any kind of body-swapping tale, but just be able to have, when you've got a whole cast of service, you can only just really hit the highlights of those, and just, it's just enough to kind of like, cool, we got this, and you can keep moving on, you don't have to worry about exploring it in depth and going over a lot of the same familiar trodden material
0: right and and especially too once you do spend time in the world with the characters you can do certain things in shorthand yeah and it's like if you've spent the time then you can just take you can take what you trust the audience already has retained what they already remember what they can already track and then you just build on top of that without like you're saying without laboring the same bits of information retreading et cetera, et cetera.
1: now one thing that we did learn and we'll take a nice little tangent right here because of course uh, Stein huge crush on Hedy Lamar. yeah and uh, even a more attention on that, every time I hear Hedy Lamar, I always think of Blazing Saddles and Harvey Corman. Hedley. <laughs> yes, I, I constantly keep thinking of that every time I hear her name. But uh, we do find out that, of course, Stein and his wife, like every great married couple, they give, your, they give each other a pass. We find out that Stein's is Hedy Lamar. And Mrs. Stein's is JCVD. And I'm like, what dang, Mrs. That? Stein.
2: <laughs> I know. I'm like, who picks Jean-Claude Van Damme?
1: I, uh, I, I want to find out what film that they were watching that said, like, yeah, uh, I want him to be my pass. Was it like Time Cop when he does the splits up on the kitchen and the kitchen Dude, counter? Time
2: Cop is is pretty fun. Was it that? Yeah. Was it
1: Hard Target or Street Fighter? <laughs> Your name's Chance. My mama took one. That's. <laughs> we, I, I want to know what they were what what JCVD boot film they were watching. That she's like, yeah, that's my guy.
2: Yeah, Luna uh, Malfoy Seven says theirs is a uh, Gal Gadot. Um, who would you guys be? Mm.
0: I'd actually really have to think about this.
2: I would definitely go with Alexander Skarsgård. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, that's the background of my background. Let's
0: let's be honest, Frank. Sure, yeah. Though. I think if Alexander Skarsgård asked, neither one of us would say no. Yeah. <laughs> How, have you <laughs> seen? He's not. He yeah. can't be real.
2: No. No. He's not. No
0: person looks that statuesque.
2: I have true. a picture of him yeah. on the toilet as my wallpaper, and he's still beautiful.
0: It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing no. on that toilet. He's got to be real cold.
2: Yeah, he's in Antarctica.
0: I'm, I'm dropping Lex. things. I'm dropping. Lex
2: is so dropping. enamored by this
0: there photo. You go. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> so d- hang. On. I'm gonna yeah, vamp. I'm gonna look for account. what I dropped. <laughs> an attractive
1: person though, uh, to still be able to sit on a commode know. and uh, yeah. still look attractive.
2: Yeah. Yeah, like Ginny McCarthy in that Yes.
1: Show. Yeah. She yeah. Like, she's like a shoes uh, ad where she's keep, sitting on keep the Keep vamping. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, for me, uh, I would say I would go Kate Beckinsale. I would, I, yeah. yeah good choice. I, would always, uh, I was always a fan of Kate Beckinsale, so. Yeah, we've uh, got a lot of
2: good ones from the chat. Uh, ZSB Lou says uh, Jason Momoa or The Rock. Those are good choices. Uh, Renji90998 says Aubrey Plaza. Nice one. Yeah. And uh, Cullen Prime, Danielle Pennebaker. Uh, listen to her interview with uh, Michael Rosenbaum on his podcast, guys. Uh, it's really funny. Yeah. Oh,
1: very nice. Yeah, uh, it's Alex, good. you still have not answered the question yeah. for yourself. Though. Well, it's
0: got to be Dave Child.
1: <laughs> Dang it. Why didn't I think uh-huh. Yeah, planted that flag. Uh, I that you're gonna have to fight me.
0: Once we <laughs> resurrect Dave, you're gonna have to fight me. And I plan to be the first face he sees when he wakes up. And oh. you know how when you're resurrected, you tend mm-hmm. to bond instantly to the first face you see. That's all true.
2: right. Tanya says, David Tennant good choice. And Billie Jean Girl 24, Sebastian Stan. His ass is fantastic, I will say. Uh,
0: you know what? You know what? Mm-hmm. I feel like if Chris Evans yeah. asked me on a date, I would be deeply flattered. And mm-hmm. I would have to say, isn't it weird that so far all of mine have been dudes? Yeah, no. But are you, you know telling? what? His you legs. know what? No, seriously? <laughs> seriously. <laughs> <laughs> seriously <laughs> I could could you if Captain America if Steve Rogers asked you on a romantic dinner and he's like yeah, he's like it was now. he was like it was so it was so difficult losing Peggy not just because she was she was you my best girl for me. but yeah. but but also because she was one of the last ties I had to my past to my former life I think I'm finally ready to open up and love again Frank, would you like to have dinner?
1: <laughs> I, I, I would not only be doing it for him, but I'd be doing it for my country. So less, Lex so yes. feels
2: less weird. Mine would be Marina Baccaron for women. Yeah, so uh, my
1: pick. But <laughs> as much as we always talk about like uh, this, just having a little fun with this, I've never actually legitimately had that conversation mm-hmm. with anybody. I've, I've ever know. been in a relationship. No, no, Who not really, really has
2: that conversation? Like you hear it in movies, but like do real people say that? I think yeah. there are
1: some people because no. I, I know like I do have some friends that kind of just like You mentioned a celebrity, and they go like, oh, yeah, that I would love to do. No. So I'm like, "Ah, but I've never had that conversation ever. I –
0: it just uh, – it's not the first thing that it occurs to me to announce – you know what I mean? You're
1: awesome and I love you, but...
0: <laughs> well, but, no, but, like, okay, so, like, you know how, like, a lot of... It's, it's, a, it's mostly a dude thing. But you know how, like, a lot of dudes will be, like, somebody will walk by or you'll be in a, a shared space. And then, like, you'll be out of earshot of of a woman that, that this other dude finds attractive. And, like, he'll come up to you and just be like, yo, she's stupid hot. And I'm like, y- you don't... I, I I can see like I know why do you feel the need to like grab me and announce this do you think you're the only one that sees it so it just doesn't yeah it doesn't occur to me
1: mm. well that kind of ties nicely into the, mm. the main thrust of our episode is that we've got Helen and Troy uh, a time anachronism they all they all see it they all see this and
0: they all announce it to each other with violence yes
1: that is it uh, she is hot and I will let you know that by sp- p- punching you in the face by too. killing you that's yes. right <laughs> Uh, so she th- falls through one of the anachronisms, lands in 1937, right there conveniently on the Warner Brothers film set, and gets put into a film that just happens to be about Helen of Troy. What a coincidence. Knocking out Hedy Lamarr, who we've talked about there, is just kind of then struggling for the rest of the episode, kind of throws a lot of uh, other ripples in time because of that. But uh, Helen, uh, we really tie into uh, the whole Helen of Troy theme. But played over Hollywood. So instead of uh, two uh, war tribes back uh, in ancient times, we've got two rival studios fighting, going to war over Helen or Troy.
0: Yeah, when there was a, a character that pulled up in the car at the at the studio who seemed to be uh, uh, affiliated with like the rival faction that showed up later with all their guns. Uh, this character named Eddie, and I think they called him Eddie Rothman. Yes. And at first, I went, "Oh, is he is he supposed to be like maybe uh, it's going to be a take on like the famous Hollywood fixer uh, Eddie Mannix?" But didn't
1: really seem to be? No, I mean, he's from K&G Pictures, which uh, I, yeah, that's just like a fake studio name as far as I know. But I mean, I guess you're not really going to promote another studio, I suppose, in, in a Warner Brothers show. I, but it's historical, so why not?
2: And I was thinking K&G was just sort of a take on RKO at the time. Yeah, that's that was what true. I just yeah. assumed. Uh,
1: so, of course, uh, she's filming on, uh, on the set. The legend's go to try to intercept her. Uh, she leaves after a couple of uh, crew members get into a fight. She gets picked up by the gentleman heading up k Pictures. Legends are trying to pursue her. They go to a Hollywood party, and that's when they run into Damian Dark. Posing as an agent. Because, yes. of course, he is. He wants his oh. 15%. Uh, it's interesting, though. I mean, certainly, uh, like last season, and as Dark said, you know, being brought back to life has kind of given me a little more perspective. He's going to talk to them first. Offer them at least an opportunity to go back to uh, 2017 and just kind of hang up their hats. Don't worry about these anachronisms. Just let him, his daughter, and anybody else affiliated with their side... Go off and do whatever they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that works. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. I'm starting. I'm, I'm kind of... I'm oh, here comes the beef. Bit, here comes the beef, beef. A little the beef. The beef. the beef. We put
0: the beef in the skillet.
1: It's. Uh, I, I enjoy Damien Dark, and I enjoy his attitude, uh, especially on Legends, the way he interacts. But... I guess it was different, like, full version, full power Damien Dark, much different than the Damien Dark we had last season. Yes. Uh, we had to see him kind of, you know, before he kind of had his total rise to, to power, so... Right, only in Doomworld did we see him repowered. Yeah, so you're basically just seeing League of Assassins Damien Dark.
0: And the problem when he's that powerful, as powerful as he seems to be now, even tonight, the yes. issue becomes we keep having to come up with ways he doesn't kill everybody.
1: Exactly. Or how do you fight somebody legitimately? How do you have terrified him and it just has to go back to let's have a fight just you and me league of assassin rules
0: I, you know okay so if i had and i'm not i can't be mad at it this episode was be- one a little tiny beef no. a little
1: bitty beef a there was way for
0: one, thin beef there was what, carpaccio <laughs> there was uh, uh just a moment and it did really didn't actually didn't detract because the episode is so fun that you can not you don't get hung up on stuff like this but had that moment where she said no no magic just league of assassin rules like You know this. Like, come on. Like, do you think for a second Damien Dark is going to honor this agreement in any form? Have you met Damien Dark before? I know you have. Yes. I know you have. Why do you think he's going to go along with that? And of course, of course, I do like that Damien Dark justifies his cheating to himself.
1: Of course. That's yeah. what you do. Yeah. If you're bending the rules, of course, you're going to have a reason for why. Well, I. I said I wouldn't do any magic. But I didn't say my daughter daughter wouldn't wouldn't. do any. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, because I I just feel like the biggest conflict or the biggest rivalry uh, on these two sides is, of course, Sarah and Dark. They've got a long-standing feud. But at this point, the only reason – you could have them fight a lot of times last season since he was really a kind of depowered version of himself. But this season, going to you're right, they're going to have to come up with a, very, a lot of different reasons how they can fight him.
0: We did, th- I mean, there there was some consequence, right? The the magic that was ultimately used on Sarah seems to have put her out of commission for the time being. Like, she will
1: be okay, but it's going to be a little bit of time before she's fully recuperated. And it feels like they're draining a life essence, it seems what yeah. it's like. So I guess you just need time to kind of just heal and recharge yourself. Some protein. Yeah, I mean, I guess that happened with Rip last, season, last episode with uh, Dark kind of draining him when he first came out. And then once he was let go, he he tried to do that a bunch on Arrow too, if I remember correctly.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. So I guess you enough time away from that sort of like you know draining touch. I guess you yeah, can bounce back. You just
0: need to hydrate. Yeah,
1: some, some get those electrolytes, guys. Yeah, beta
0: mm-hmm. carotene.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. right. Potas- a lot of yeah, potassium. Eat your, eat your bananas you're and need some carrots. Potassium
0: and like a lot of Advil and bed rest and daytime soaps. <gasps> yeah, very true.
1: Mm-hmm. I, so it's just interesting to see how they're going to handle this for the rest of the season. Are they going to always have to feel like... Because I can't feel like you can always have Sarah go up at, the next time they run into him go like, all right, one more time, uh, Damien, but again, League of Assassins rules, and your daughter can't get involved either. Like, I, I don't know if you can always just have them fight with swords. You're going to have to figure out which, which where our, our two totem bears are going to come into play.
2: Yeah, and that's what I figured is those two would be more of along the lines of someone who could go up against Dark, more of a fair fight, you yeah.
1: Uh, we also get to see somebody that I wasn't expecting to have such a, uh, a, a little power over them was uh, Stein and Jax together as Firestorm. They were able to kind of overpower both Dark and his daughter.
0: I did think it was cool. It's
1: Firestein. Firestein. Yes, Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did think it was cool that uh,
0: Jax is typically the face of Firestorm. Mm-hmm. I like that when Jax was in
1: Stein's body, Stein was the face. It was cool. I was I a sucker for that to see. Uh, yeah, to see Victor Garber in the cool Firestorm costume. Like, yes, I'll take that.
2: I almost feel like this is a whole bucket list thing for Victor Garber. He's like, you know what? I want to be a clown. I want to <laughs> actually be Firestorm. I want a I wanna mustache wear in one <laughs> episode. <laughs> you gotta I
0: get. I gotta sing Edelweiss at some point, yep. and he
1: did. He did. Uh, speaking of mustaches, though, quick little other tangent too. When. Uh, <laughs> Zari, Amaya, and Sarah, they go over to uh, Rothsburg, Rothberg's house to get Helena Troy and take her back in, onto the Wave Rider. They do a thing where uh, Sarah's driving the truck. Amaya and Zari are at the back. It's supposed to be uh, delivering a horse. The uh, the guy at the gate checking that mustache. Oh, <laughs> come on, that. like that Oh, was did, just... your, did your hair dart go off? <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait a minute. That's, that mustache is terrible. This one, Maybe it was a costume party. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, okay. It's... I love oh, so, those mushas. Speaking of,
0: did anybody else get real hung up on the fact that uh, Amaya's nineteen thirty seven costume was olive oil?
2: Oh, oh. yeah, it so was. <laughs> like I got real
0: I, I get not but she totally rocking it, yeah. Uh but
1: Olive, it was very, it was exactly olive oil. That's a nice touch. Yeah. I, I that did not pop it away, but looking back on it, that is. And it
0: yeah. was so. It was too specific for me to think it was an accident.
2: Yeah, with the collar, now that you mention it, the colors were not the same as olive oil, but yeah, the the collar and well, everything. Well, the red say, and the yeah. hair. Yeah, it, yeah the, the red top and then, yeah.
1: Very olive oily. Yeah, I mm-hmm. guess I want to look up, like, when did they start first doing Popeye cartoons?
2: Yeah, because olive oil, uh, yeah, like, the only thing I would see different is the black skirt as opposed to all red. Wasn't it all red or was it, Yeah.
1: Oh, uh, that's, yeah, I think olive oil does close. have the black
2: yeah, yeah and I right. was like, but yeah I was like wow that was very close
1: waist up though yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very waste olive up.
2: oil so olive oil it's a good look so for so it couldn't have been an accident
1: yeah because uh, he was created with, uh, in 1929 but the Flesher yeah. Brothers before they did uh, the Superman films they did Popeye oh huh. and uh, so I'd like to know so exactly when that tail end yeah, of the 20s you said Well, he was created in the comic strips in the 20s. Popeye was created until the end of the 20s. Yes. Uh, But then when he started doing the. uh, uh, Yeah, I'll have to look up for that. But I feel like maybe that might be around 1937 as well, too, before the Fletcher Brothers did. uh, Yeah. Uh, Come for the Legends, guys. Stay for the Popeye. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm going to go talk about Deep Cuts here. Deep Cuts. Uh, oh, and basically in thirty two is when we introduced spinach, guys. Originally it was the we uh he, he Originally got his strength from rubbing the head of a wiffle hen. What? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? All right, cool. Sounds great, guys. All right, uh, where's his? Uh, where is his flesh? Or bones? All right, va- vamp. Go. While we try and figure vamp, out vamp. when yeah. olive oil was created.
0: Yes. Uh, so, Lucretia, d- uh, <laughs> do you like spinach?
2: I really love spinach, but is spinach? The spinach a metaphor for something else uh, that I that I say often. It
0: can be Constantine.
2: No, but drink, guys. Um, actually, isn't that I how actually, you get?
0: That's how you get stronger. <laughs>
2: it's Constantine. Like? It's Constantine. I was going to say weed, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, that isn't that what you do? Do you have
1: a? Uh, okay, the first cartoon character, was, uh, the first cartoon, was released in nineteen thirty-three. So, if you don't have a pipe named Constantine, why? Not. I know.
2: I actually, uh, the only one that is named is Pipe because it looks like a Pokemon ball in the middle.
0: Gotta get So all. if you yeah, want exactly. to send Lucretia a pipe named name Constantine, Constantine. send it to Lucretia Lyon, care of After Buzz TV Studios in, is this technically Burbank? In North yeah, Hollywood? North but Hollywood. Technically, yeah. technically yeah. Burbank. We're like right on the line between Burbank yeah. and North Hollywood. I narrowed it down enough for you. You'll find us.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, so the other part of this episode, too, is, of course, Amaya starts finding out more about her The Legacy she's going to be leaving behind behind regards to totems with Kawasa telling her, you know what, I'm your granddaughter. Uh, The totem that was supposed to be mine since I was the oldest daughter was actually passed down to my uh, younger sister, Mari.
0: And this is a great, if you haven't been following the Vixen mythology outside of the live action CWDC shows, I think this is a really interesting wrinkle that now gives Amaya a far greater personal stake in what, this uh, cabal of villainry is
1: up to and I mean, it's it's tough because of course Kuasa can't kill Amaya without destroying herself but certainly Amaya is not going to want to be able to destroy Kuasa. cuz that's like right which is going to
0: yeah. be really interesting when Amaya comes into direct conflict with Kuasa's teammates who presumably don't... Get, can you imagine... Like, Damian Dark will work with whoever he has to work with to get what he wants, but can you really imagine Damian Dark caring all that much whether he removes Kawasa from the timeline completely once he has that thing?
1: But that also makes me wonder, like, does what's Kawasa going to feel like when she does realize that only I'm the only one that cares about at least keeping Amaya alive?
0: Over over under on Kwasa changing sides before the end of the season, and all of the totem holders doing like doing like uh, on uh, on malice, doing like the end of Age of Ultron where Tony and Thor and Vision are all firing the beams. What's the over under on something like that happening with the totem
1: bearers? I'm gonna go very high because I feel like that you kind of set a mission statement for Amaya this episode, where she's like, "I've got to rescue or at least save the you know the soul of my, my granddaughter."
2: Um, uh, not to veer off too much, but Nate Milton, I just have to shout you out, because hashtag, uh, bongstentine is amazing,
1: and oh, we need to make uh, that happen. Everybody drink. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so, uh, we do find out, and she does have a conversation with Ray, where Ray's willing to tell her a lot more of the complicated history, and I, she's like... I really like, uh, Ray Palmer's,
0: I'm gonna call him the sentiment steps, uh, these little, these little couple of steps that Ray sits on when he wants to have like open, vulnerable conversations with his teammates. This is where he was talking to Zari a couple episodes ago when they did the two truths and a lie. Yep. I like that. There's a little, there's a little corner of this set that now seems the designated spot for Ray to sit down and have heart to hearts with
2: people. <laughs> uh, this is his little heart to heart moment.
1: Uh, we also find that one of his uh, like expletives is pancakes. <laughs> oh, things no. go wrong. <laughs> Pancakes, everybody. Also, yeah.
0: right, since we just jumped all the way back up to the top of the episode, what I love about the scene where Stein and Jack switch bodies is, especially on a show where and like they can get away with this because their effects work is so top-notch so much of the time, it was like the most, it was almost like 1930s special effects yep. because the whole machine they had the little headsets on but it was just tubes full of liquid and all they did was flash some lights make the liquid bubble and shake the camera a little bit and i loved how low tech it was because you still buy it and it's i really appreciated that they were employing like uh, the practically late 30s special effects techniques in an episode set in late 30s hollywood
1: do you want to throw shade at ray for creating something that ultimately fell apart He's the Adam. That's like his whole thing. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's, that's Ray's bit. It's adorable. I can shrink <laughs> and I can also wreck stuff very easily. <laughs> but no, he like got upswiped yeah. to work, right? That's Yeah, there you go. Well, certainly the big, uh, the question between uh, Jax and Stein is eventually we are going to say goodbye to Victor Garber. Do you want to see Jax just be able to retain the sole ownership of Firestorm? Or do you think that that character works better if he's bonded with somebody?
2: I feel like it would just be weird at this point to get another person to bond with. So I think it's a better idea to just have Jax be Firestorm.
0: I I agree, especially if we have to lose Victor Garber. One one less main ensemble member gives you a little more breathing room to focus on everybody else just a little bit more. Uh, I think at any one time we have so many characters, like you were saying earlier, we have so many characters on this show. I, I'm always going to be wanting Victor Garber to come back. I don't necessarily think we need to find a replacement. I wouldn't mind. I think it would make Jax's life a lot
1: less complicated. Especially if you yeah. set, like, the back door where, for the most part, like, say, like, Jax as Firestorm is, you know, like, 90% Firestorm. And then you always can get Victor Garber to come back for a special guest appearance, and whether it's this season at the end or any upcoming season, to for a, a big crisis moment where they could actually rebound, and that brings Firestorm up to 100 percent to really create something that they really need. And They can turn yeah. something real big into jelly beans. Yes. Which again, I mm-hmm. still I want I want more of the transformation yes. powers. Yeah. And that was something that people brought up uh, about last episode too. Was that when they're trapped on the Wave Rider under the uh, uh, the gentleman's uh, whatever. The Gentleman's Protocol, or gosh, camera, whatever Rip's Protocol was for that. But uh, that, why didn't they just form Firestorm and then transmute the uh, part of the wave ride or the cargo door open, so they could just get out? Because they could blow up the whole ship. <laughs> no. They're nuclear-powered, bro. Oh, man. Come on. So the many mm-hmm. nuclear po- They never no, bond. They never bond. my <laughs> question. Is there a reason,
0: and there could very well be a reason, maybe they outlined it on the show and I'm just spacing on it, is there a reason they can't transmute people into jelly beans other than it would be
1: horrifying mm-hmm. at least in the comics there was <laughs> i was, like imagining this <laughs> and I'm like screaming jelly God. beans <laughs> <Just like laughs> uh, at the beginning with Firestorm was first created that his abilities worked where he could not trans uh, transmute organic matter okay so inorganic material only
0: yes I, I, if I can buy Firestorm at
1: all I totally buy that as an mm-hmm. explanation so that was his early thing. I think uh, later on, they kind of uh, tweaked that a little bit too, but for the most part, for the majority of his time as a comic book character, it's always been transmuting inorganic matter. That makes sense. Yeah. That totally tracks. Which, uh, you know, I feel like otherwise then it's, it, like that is an uber-powerful character then at that point. I feel like you want to be able to have some limits so you can be able to stymie him at uh, any opportunity with some villains. Bless you. Lucretia's you. clearly Apparently. allergic to my old-school firestorm yes. power-based talk. Apparently. Got it. Got it, Lucretia. Fine. No more of that. All right, we we got to hit one more thing.
2: Yeah, that big that big thing. One
1: more thing that we got to hit, that thing that literally got me up out of my seat, bouncing around. Uh, uh, That was the uh, the commercial for uh, a stretched scene for elongated man. You know, know I like my scenes stretchy, Frank.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's every time I see a movie, I'm like, it was good, but these scenes could have been stretchier. Uh, Are we talking about next week's episode? No. Although, although have it, yes, mm. that, that too, the fact that we're apparently getting a, a Gorilla grad Vietnam episode is very exciting. That is yeah, that awesome. Is...
2: If there is not a bunch of Full Metal Jacket episodes, and shame on you guys a, a for bunch. not getting Adam uh, Baldwin for that. Guys, God, that would have uh, been so cool.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, uh, of course, at the end of the uh, episode, there are some cool scenes between Helen and Zari where... Helen, even if she's rescued by them, does not want to go back to Troy because that's a terrible life. She spent most of her life she, for the past five years sitting up there in a tower while these people fought. And it uh, brings up an interesting thing with Zari. It's like you call yourselves heroes if you're just going to take me back to this terrible existence. How is that saving me in any way, shape, or form? And so, I mean, Zari, the original inception of her is that she was going to be a hacker. And we really haven't seen her done really much computer stuff. But the, uh, the kind of I, I like the approach that they have here is that she's not just hacking computers, but she's hacking history.
2: Yeah, and that made total sense because it was like, well, I mean, the war turned out the same, so it doesn't even matter if you go back. So I'm going to put you here where it doesn't affect anything. Yeah, same yeah. time, uh, 1253
1: BC. Uh, but they go to a little uh, little, little island called the mm-hmm. And okay, so of
0: course yeah. the home of the Amazons, including Princess Diana, aka Wonder, Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. A couple of things. Uh, so now in the cwdc verse, we've met Superman on more than one occasion. Yes, we have referenced Bruce Wayne by name, and we have been to Themyscira. The second thing that I thought was really cool is that aesthetically, it looks exactly
1: like Themyscira from the movie. Yep. The nice thing, and I guess this is probably hopefully like the Jeff Johnson influence on the DCU kind of uh, film and TV side, where He's going to pull it back pull back the reins on letting some of these, at least these little bits start to influence. And maybe that's like the gateway to later on you can get uh, a TV version of Wonder Woman or a TV version of Batman. I, uh, as long as Gotham's on the air, I feel like that's not going to happen. But maybe a TV version of Wonder Woman at some point?
2: Yeah, I mean, there was that one years ago with Adrian Pellecki and um, <laughs> David e. it Kelly was doing a pilot. Yep. yep. And uh, yeah,
1: no, I, mean, I I would be all down for I, I think fancy if you could, and I don't know why uh, Warner Brothers and D, uh, TV would not be excited if they could do a weekly series about Wonder Woman and to there, get those kind of viewers.
2: And there was like an Aquaman series with Justin Hartley that was also a pilot around the same time That's that never happened. Right. So it's like it's yeah. not like they haven't thought about this ideas with these bigger heroes. No.
1: So uh, yeah, uh, I do. I am curious to see where this leads <clears throat> because you can feel like uh, if Sarah knew she was doing this, she knew I was doing this, she wouldn't like it. I feel like that's going to be causing them to butt heads a little later on in the season. But I feel like maybe this is going to give the legends maybe a, new, a fresh perspective because the rest of the team has been around for a couple seasons doing what they've been doing. Zari, new to the team, maybe has a different way of approaching how they could treat some of these anachronisms and maybe uh, you know a fresh approach kind of taking somebody, putting them back in the same time period but in a different location where they don't affect history but at least get a better existence might be a better way about handling these things. I want, I want Amazons now. Yep. I have the doors open, guys. I just, I want yep. all
0: of the Amazons.
1: <laughs>
2: now uh, we know who Alexa's one is. All Amazons. of them. My, my one is the all entire the Themysciran population. Yep.
1: Uh, what would you... Uh, all right. Over, under, what season... You know, and let's... If you could have... You, that you would think Wonder Woman would ever appear on the show. And any DC TV season.
0: If we see another member of the Trinity, whether it is Wonder Woman or Batman on any of these shows might get, and it's weird because Arrow's got six and the rest of these have three or four. I would say like season 10 of one of them. But I do think, I do think, why not? If you have the permission, right? If the, if the synergy, if the brand synergy is such that you have the option of at least bringing in more of the associated mythology. Like maybe they don't get to play with Wonder Woman Anytime soon, but like we already we we nodded to Cheetah right over on Flash. There mm-hmm. was a that the King Shark episode. They ha, so they have Cheetah in some type of uh, Argus, Argus facility. facility. Uh, so why not why not Cheetah? Why not if not Bruce Wayne himself? Why not a Nightwing or a Jason Todd or a Tim Drake? Why not? Yeah,
1: I because I, I, I like Stephen Amell, I guess there's the article where he talked a little bit more about that Bruce Wayne reference, where he was just at a a party where a lot of the big wigs from Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment were there and. He came up to them and said, "Like, hey, uh, I was reading the script for this episode. and I think there's a cool opportunity for us to maybe just do like a little small insertion and name check Bruce Wayne as opposed to some other uh, character. What do you guys think about that?" And they were like, "Sure." It was like no big deal, but uh, it's like, well, I, I would hope that more things like that could be a possibility.
0: We've also got a, a number of references to Ferris Air. And yeah. Co City. Mm-hmm. So I feel like and there was wasn't there we saw Flight Jacket in one of the arrow oh, yeah. flashbacks. Aero, that said, there was a ton
2: of Green Lantern references in the first season there.
0: And yeah. not that look, I feel like we're already so spoiled with the amount of really exciting, super nerdy, deep cut stuff that we're getting on these shows. But if they're gonna continue to tease some of the, the A-listers and their associated mythology so heavily. You gotta gotta give us a little bit, a little bit more. However, maybe when they gave us Superman, they were like, "That's your one for the next seven years. Enjoy."
1: (laughs) I would, I would hope not. I would hope only that the Superman would show them that yes, we could have a film version, but we can also have just an equally entertaining and valid uh, TV version as well too. And And, and I
0: don't even—I don't need them to be major players across whole seasons, but it would be real cool to have them like, like they use Superman, have them pop in when the stakes get to a certain level, and it's like we got to call in a a a ringer, and then they go back to their own adventures because, like, Wonder Woman, Batman,
1: Superman—they're all busy. Absolutely, Green Lantern—he's got a whole sector to protect. I mean, you know, that doesn't mean he's going to be on Earth all the time. So I would be totally. I actually. I would be jazzed probably, I'd be cool to see Wonder Woman, but I'd actually be more excited to see Green Lantern, only because I feel like he, since that unfortunate Ronald Reynolds movie, he's just been one of the yeah. characters that hasn't gotten a lot of good love lately. Well, And still Hal
2: Jordan's so cool. I mean, or if we could have Jon Stewart. There's several Green Lanterns, and those would be the two that people recognize the most. Yeah. Well,
0: so I know that Warners is developing a Green Lantern core movie, yeah. and Hal Jordan and John Stewart are supposed to be the two leads. <laughs> but they've also got Flash and Superman in their movies. Yes. So I'm, I'm holding out hope. I'm not ruling out the possibility that we will see some more uh, Justice Leaguers eventually make their way into this universe.
1: Side note on the uh, on that, as I was at Target, and of course they've got a lot of Justice League uh, merchandise, because we've got a small movie coming out this week, uh, Justice yeah, League. Just uh, a little you one. You can't save the world alone, guys. But, uh, All they in! Have, <laughs> they have a, a two-pack where you can get the comic book version of Flash, and still not my favorite version because it's the Jim Lee redesign for the new Fifty Two, where he's got all the like yellow lines on him, which, ugh, I don't like that. It's, you should be just give me a straight red suit. But then uh, it's a two pack with that version as well as with the uh, the film version of Flash. That's a rough. That's a rough, rough look. For you don't like film. his you don't like his bike helmet? Nope, nope. It's you know I don't thing.
0: mind it though because it's something that I could buy Barry designing himself like in a
1: garage. But you know he's. I, I, yeah, unless it's incredibly lightweight body armor, like why does the Flash? He's supposed to be fast. Why are you going to be weighing yourself down with any sort of armor?
0: My guess. I mean, it looks pretty light to me, but my guess it has something to do. He doesn't is,
2: want concussions.
0: Con- con- yeah. Right. Yeah. That's probably what the what the helmet's about. Yeah. But also, I. I. they're gonna. There's got to be some explanation in there about how it helps him like harness his energy and focus it and keep it from going like uh, bonkers all over him, his face and stuff. And uh,
2: Nate Milton says hashtag Frank's fashion beef. Fashion That's beef. right.
1: I got fashion beef, guys. Frank's Fashion Beef. This
0: summer on E!
1: Any story that you're going to give me about why this costume needs to be body armor is going to be a, a, a dumb explanation for me. I'm already, uh, i love I love something. that he's so ready to hate this. I'm yeah, so I'm just ready. He's just
0: so ready to hate all of it. No, all no, it.
1: I, I wanna love it. Uh I've heard Superman has some good stuff in there, and I genuinely excited to see some I, enthusiastic. I Superman. think the
0: embargo, as of this recording, I think the embargo is up late tonight on reviews, but I've actually everything I've been seeing, he's I am positive. I am
1: yeah, like I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean they say Henry Cavill, like he's a smiling Superman, and for that, that's all I need. I want a Superman that's actually Smiling and joyful and inspirational and actually even, even what he's apparently
0: doing. Batman makes a couple jokes in this movie and he was
1: real mad in the last one. Yeah, that's well, true. Why well, Batman always mad? Batman is. Just, <laughs> that's
2: um, why Jason O'Mara is kind of my favorite Batman right now because even when he's like, Ugh, it's uh, funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's enough
1: Justice League talk to us. We could talk all night about oh. our various beefs or whatnot. If you keep me going long enough, I will have beef with just about anything. Yeah, but mm. that's what we're here for, folks. We're here to uh, salute another great episode of Legends of Tomorrow. And uh, we'll be back here next week. But you know what? Folks, you can like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes. Please help keep Lex Michael alive. And as Lex said earlier, you get enough. We might be able to resurrect somebody in two weeks' time. Fingers crossed. So you got two weeks to really pump up those five stars because we already need a lot to keep Lex going. So just figure out how much more we need to actually resurrect another human being, too. That's a lot of five stars, guys. We've got a dearth. We're looking for a surplus. Absolutely. Uh, And thanks, everybody, for hopping in the chat. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel and give it a a thumbs up while you're there. But if you want to continue the conversation with any of us or feel free to fact check anything we say or just, you know. Tell tell us you know any any kind of like personal deep dark secret that you want to share with us on social media, Lucretia Where can they find you?
2: You guys can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N, anywhere on the internet since there is only one.
1: I am
0: all over social media at the Lex Michael. I'm also here at AfterBuzz. Uh, a lot of Mondays, talking about Supergirl. I also do a podcast with Tari J. Miller. It's called Missing Out. It's the retrospective that's introspective. He and I had different cultural upbringings. We found different pieces of media at different times, whether it's movies, albums, TV, books, comics, anime... He's trying to get me into anime. It's a work in progress. But we share these uh, media with each other. We share these experiences with each other. We have a good old time. We had some guests. We started having guests on. We had Mr. Dave Child on talking about Wes Craven's New Nightmare. We had Lucretia Lyon on talking about Jason Lives. The episode that dropped today, I believe, is on Andrzej Zalowski's 1981 opus, Possession, which is a bonkers, bonkers, bonkers movie that I love. Check it out. And Frank, we're going to get you on the show as soon as we can afford
1: you. It's never going to happen, guys. My rider is long, and it is uh, very pricey.
0: But so it is all over. It's wherever you can find podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play.
1: Go check it. It's on Twitter, too, at Missing Outcast. Go check it out. We love it. We love you. You're great. And if you meet Lex Lamechel in public, he will do a portion of that podcast right there in front of you. I I live that podcast. I am that podcast. That's right. He will share with you just a piece of media that you've missed out on and why you need to watch it. I would like that. I would like people actually to find you in real life. To actually, like, What what am I missing out on, Lex? Uh, uh, I, I like Under the Skin. Perfect. I, and Lex Someone would, in the chat is going to be like, I hate that movie. <laughs> well, that, you know, that, that's your prerogative. It doesn't mean you have to like what you've missed out on, but uh, you've missed out on it. So, yes, please record those impromptu uh, live interactions that you have with fans. Just be like, hold on. I
0: need to photograph your face. Yes. What is your address?
1: <laughs> uh, folks, uh, you can yell at me anytime, day or night, on social media. Uh, just let your all your thoughts fly at me at Happy Go Jackie and both on Twitter and Instagram. Folks, we'll be back here next Tuesday night. We're going to do this all again because we had so much fun. Right back here Tuesday night for another Legends of Tomorrow where we get to see Grodd fighting the legends in Vietnam. Look at that. What more do you need? Nothing for me. Uh, Until next time, speed off. Swamp. From executive producers Maria Menounos.